0: Hi, it's Ben here from Second Mountain Comms. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Good Journeys podcast. We'll get to our regular episode in a minute, and it's a really special one today as I speak with Stevie Richards about his incredible road to recovery that he's been on in recent months. But before we get to that, I just have to address um, some a big change in my life, which is that in the time since I recorded this episode, my, my father Andrew Veal um, suddenly passed away um, I'm in shock saying that. I still don't know how I feel about it. It was very sudden. It feels very raw. But my dad was a good man. He was a kind man and a gentle man. And he taught me a lot about helping others and trying to do good, which is what I do through Second Mountain. Um, I don't think he'd have wanted me to stop. And I think he'd be really proud of this conversation today. Stevie is a professional wrestler and fitness coach who Um, earlier this year was struck down with a very severe spine infection. Um, He recovered and his recovery has been remarkable. Sadly, my father, um, much older than Stevie, suffered an infection and wasn't able to survive. Um, But Stevie and I are both believers. I know that my dad is now in a better place and at peace. um, And I really hope that putting this episode out now inspires others and you enjoy watching. Thank you. Welcome to Good Journeys with Second Mountain, the podcast that shines a spotlight on inspiring people and their inspired stories. Coming up on this episode...
1: We weren't doing our devotionals, we lagged off from that, we got lazy, we didn't pray before meals and you know, people might not think that's a big deal but those little things add up to, to having God, Jesus in your life all the time and by even just not doing the morning devotional turn into not doing the evening one before bed because we have ones that we do as men and women my, myself and my wife and then we have a couples one that we do then you know even stuff like the worldly things of wake up and look at the sales numbers for my affiliate business instead of looking at one verse from the bible for your verse of the day, which takes mm-hmm. about 20 seconds and maybe a minute to really yeah. percolate in your mind, your body, your soul and everything. You get away from that. And I truly was away from the walk. And this forced me to say, you've been going in this direction way too long away from me. Come back.
0: Hello and welcome to Good Journeys with Second Mountain, the purpose-driven podcast. I'm your host Ben Veal, founder of Second Mountain Comms. I set up my business to help good people do good by sharing their inspiring stories, and stories really don't get much more inspiring than that of my guest today. I'm so grateful to have Michael Manner, better known to fans worldwide as Stevie Richards, join me on the show today, especially after the journey he's been on in recent months. This is a story of unexpected setback, personal resilience, faith and family and I'm looking forward to hearing all about Stevie's incredible road to recovery in today's conversation. Stevie is a 30-year veteran of professional wrestling who has competed for the world's biggest companies, including WWE, WCW, Ring of Honor, and for iconic, beloved Philadelphia-based promotion ECW, achieving many highs in his wrestling career, but also suffering multiple injuries, including a broken neck. Stevie has drawn heavily on his love and passion for personal fitness and found his purpose in helping others along their well-being journeys Launching his business, Stevie Richards Fitness, and now also fronting his podcast series, The Big Fitness Show. Earlier this year, Stevie's life was put in very real danger, and his comeback ever since has been nothing short of incredible to follow. But before we dive into that, I have to ask one thing, and that's please do subscribe to the show if you're not already, and give the Good Journeys pod a big thumbs up or nice rating, however you're tuning in today. We want to hear from you, so please join in the conversation using the hashtag Good Journeys Pod, to let us know how Stevie's story has moved you. There's a lot of podcasts out there and your support helps us to keep sharing inspiring stories from inspiring people. Right, that is the long intro. Stevie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to see you, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing even better after an amazing intro you gave me. Thank you very much, that's awesome. I never realized I did all that stuff. You've done a lot of I mean, stuff. I thought what happened this year I was talking about in the past, so.
0: Hey, I didn't. I didn't even include 22 time hardcore champion in that intro
1: yeah, that's uh i mean well, well the scale of things in 2023 what we're going to talk about the journey uh, uh the road to recovery i think uh i mean it could explain why they had spinal issues in the first place of all those hardcore matches for like a good year to 18 months but i was very blessed to have that kind of career and have like 30 plus year full-time wrestling career and not, not many people can say that so i'm I'm very fortunate
0: no absolutely and You know, it's, first things first, amazing to see you here today looking and sounding so well after, you know, the the last few months that you've had. What's your current health status? Where are you currently on the journey?
1: Oh, I'm thankful, grateful, blessed. I mean, all sorts of positive things. This kind of experience, which I know we're going to get into in great detail, and if I get emotional, excuse me, but it just, it's something that's never going to leave me, Ben. Never. You know, sometimes people get sick or get injured. And then when they're back to normal and they're walking around, it kind of fades away in the background and you kind of forget or or you compartmentalize, I guess. And you kind of say, "Ah, eh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that close. I wasn't near death or these things. I, I don't think I'm going to be that way because I very much see a purpose. Like you're, you're, the name of your show, there's a purpose behind why this happened. And now I'm feeling better. The road to recovery is still very long. Uh, now we're in past the, Antibiotic, heavy, heavy, powerful antibiotic therapies, and now my back needs to naturally fuse because there was a great deal of damage done to my spine from the infection. There's a whole story behind even finding out it was an infection, but I'm uh, not able to do maybe a lot of hip hinging movements. If you know anything about working out, hip hinging, bending over, doing things like that. But man, it just—I almost cry. I, I know I'm going to jump around. Every single day, little things always make me emotional, make me cry, whether it's being able to stand up from a seated or lying position without pain, whether that or getting up and being able to hop on the recumbent bike and do 30, 40 minutes without completely feeling, you know, just wasted from it, being able to use isometrics lift. And of course, being able to be present and contribute to my marriage as far as even just cleaning litter boxes and taking garbage out which I wasn't able to do for months on end. So, you know, that's why I say thankful, grateful, blessed, because every single thing, even just sitting here talking to you, was an impossibility. Like you said, two months ago, we couldn't, you were were emailing back and forth or messaging, trying to see if down the line, if I could do it. And I had no timeline of when I was able to comfortably do a show like this. So, man, it's just, I feel great. I mean, I could have just said it just like that, but I, I think people need context, context when it comes to truly what what is going on right now with me.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, let, let's let's get there then. Let's get the context so you can tell the story far better than I, Stevie. What what happened? Where did it all begin?
1: Well, you just had the title of the video because I couldn't think of a uh, flashier title or more clickbaity than what happened. What happened? I thought it wasn't clickbaity, but it turned out to be clickbaity. But but it was true because. A lot did happen, so it wasn't false advertising. Let me ask you this then, like from your perspective, because I know there's a lot of people that have reached out from seeing that first photo in the Walker, which we may use for the for the episode artwork. And then when they saw that, they had a there's been a gambit or spectrum of reactions to that. What was what was your reaction to seeing something like that after, I guess thinking people tend to have this impression that i'm like a cardio machine or i'm so fit and in shape that nothing could take me down what what was your impression seeing that
0: yeah i mean it was was complete shock i mean seeing it out of context i've followed your socials and i've you know continued to follow your career and you 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 know you are the picture of health really and and i saw that and I, i was like what what is this what what has happened to him and i couldn't put it in context firstly i assumed maybe um, a heart attack or something like that that you, you'd have suffered a heart attack or a stroke and um, that was kind of my initial first thought to think how could you have uh, how how could your health have plunged so rapidly um but i i, I didn't understand at, at first what was happening at all
1: i i didn't understand it either <laughs> but but yeah i mean that's that's a message too like, like i said this is never going to leave me because it was kind of mysterious things that sort of came on out of nowhere which it didn't looking back on it because there were symptoms through months and months where it was working its way through my body where I could I was feeling like my immune system was suppressed yeah I, I know now that something was going on but I thought it was just you know back issues from wrestling if people watch my wrestling career like you said the hardcore championship was enough to make anybody's spine you know Kind of degrade quickly. With me, it was a mystery, and also what what happened was, I one day, uh, ironically enough, it, and I'll just back up. Like late January, on Sunday morning, usually go and work out in the garage gym early in the morning. My wife has her workout. I have mine. We we sort of have. We have two garages right now for the business, so she'll do her workout. I'll do cardio in the second garage. Then I'll transfer over and do weights or resistance training in the garage she's in. So she's home already. So I I work out and I'm like, man, I I felt a little stiff this morning, but I'm having like the best workout I had in a long time. Famous last words. So I go back home. I said, my back's a little stiff. So let me get on the inversion table and see if my back is going to decompress. So it didn't seem to work, but I've been here before. Back goes out two, three times a year. It might happen even to the best of us who don't bump around like I used to. Your back just goes out. So I recorded the SmackDown review bit on me mean, for Vince Russo's channel. I'm sitting right in this chair. I'm editing some video. And then I just go like this and I can't move. Like, it's not just getting up and going, oh, I'm stiff. And you're kind of hunched over a little bit. And then you stand up straight. Eventually, I can't move.
0: It was that, no, that, immediate, that immediate, that was it. Just,
1: it. just it just like a like a switch flipped. Well, wow. so. I'm just sitting in this chair and I text my wife, I think. And I said, I can't move. She had already, I think, come through the door. and It was just timed that way. She tries to pick me up. And my wife's like five, one. i I'm like 6'2". At the time, I'm almost 216 pounds. It's going to be hard to leverage me up when she's that short and I'm sitting down. And it just, when she grabbed me under my arms and tried to lift me up, it was the most excruciating Like my back was locked out beyond anything I ever experienced. So eventually she got me up, got me in the bed, laying on a heating pad. And I can't even move from bed now. She runs out, gets a walker. Dude, this is three hours after one of the best workouts I had in months to a walker three hours later is just insanity, frightening, terrifying. And all I could hope for was, okay, my lower back kind of hit a wall. I'm going to need fusion surgery. Every wrestler, football player, athlete is faced with a countdown of when when is my body going to get to a point where I'm going to need a major, major surgery? I thought I was there, but I still have never experienced like muscle spasms locking out. I'm talking about constant pain to the point where I'm crying. So we go to the chiropractor thinking maybe I just need traction adjustment. It exasperates, it makes it worse. And now like the walker, I'm getting weak on the walker and I'm almost needing a wheelchair at this point. Not that I'm paralyzed. My back is just so flared up or inflamed or whatever you want to call it that my legs cannot support the pain. So I wasn't numb. I had no sciatica. It went like this, going to pain clinics, like spinal clinics, pain management, not, they don't see anything. Your spine looks fine. Your vertebrae look okay. Nothing looks like it's causing this two and a half weeks. Of just lying in bed, 24 7 pain, no sleep, not eating, not able to drink, can't even hug my wife, everything just reaching out like this hurts. We finally go to the first hospital here uh, where we live in Florida. Not very good experience. I'm not going to get into detail, uh, but we went there to the emergency room twice. They didn't have a diagnosis either. We go to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. And long story short, we get in there finally. Cause initially we had an appointment for three weeks from our visit. That wasn't been, I, I don't know. I mean, and people, people can say it's dramatic or whatever. At the rate I was going, I didn't know if I was going to survive that long. Sure. It just was, or whatever quality of life I was going to not have. So we beg and plead. My wife gets on the phone with them. Finally, like we get them to get eyes on me at this point in a wheelchair. And once the doctor saw me, he goes, I I don't have to see anymore. We don't have to get films or anything. We're admitting you. So we went to the emergency room, got admitted, and they started doing tests. And he goes, I think you have an infection on your spine. And I said, well, how did that happen? He goes, well, we don't know. And we can't think of anything. So, but we have to do a biopsy, which means we have to literally hammer a needle a wider needle into your spine and then take a needle and take a piece of your vertebrae your disc, all that stuff to get to get cultures and samples for infectious disease which Mayo Clinic by the way probably the best hospital I've ever been to in my life they have a they have an infectious disease unit in the hospital that everybody from around the country sends it to them so we really walked so down could, you couldn't
0: there. have yeah you couldn't have been a better place then could you
1: for a turnaround for a results, not having to ship off the samples, the cultures, absolutely, we were blessed. God was definitely, and that's going to be a theme you and I will discuss, I'm sure. Sure, God was working in certain ways that in the first hospital where they were trying to diagnose me with constipation, which I don't know, and I don't know an instance where constipation has paralyzed people yeah. and made them not be able to walk. God bless you if you have that kind of problem with yeah. your stomach but I didn't have. it. Mayo Clinic would have me there. We were there and they admitted me. They were doing tests. They were trying to figure out what was going on. The spine biopsy, Ben, I have to say, was the, the on top of the infection, the most painful procedure I ever had. Because the infection was so present and so powerful, they couldn't give me enough medication to kill the pain. So I felt every last inch centimeter of those needles and he was hammering and he was like we've given you the max allowable limit of painkillers you should be in twilight right now and not even remember this so that's not because i'm superman that's because the infection was superman (laughs) so they get that and then after about 48 hours the only thing that really grew was strep streptococcus but They still weren't quite sure what it was, but they started me on broad spectrum antibiotics as I was in the hospital, which was great because as soon as they started administering those, it went from like a pain level of 20 down to like a pain level of nine to 10, which is a lot. But I could function a little bit. I could sleep. Maybe two to three hours a night. I could do a little bit more. So I guess and
0: I guess by this point, Stevie, what are we on week four of of severe pain? We're about on week uh,
1: three and a half, week four. Is, yeah, of yeah. when yeah. it hit me. Yeah. So I guess I Over- guess
0: to get that relief, even though the pain is still incredibly pronounced, um, but now we it, have at least a bit...
1: we have a treatment, we have a therapy. Yeah. I, I, how it happened, Ben? Who knows? But if I'm improving and they can find something, the cultures will continue to grow. We're we're on something. So. They started administering that through IV and then right before I was discharged, you saw maybe the video where they install the pick line, where they put the line near my heart and they can administer these push antibiotics from home. So at least I was going home and my wife, God bless her, was administering these push antibiotics, which we had to be really careful about. We put up a video about that. You have to keep everything sterile in, and it's hard in, in a regular home, not knowing where an infection came from. So we cleaned everything. We made sure there was a lot of a lot of fear and a lot of things that need to be done. So they still didn't quite know what was going on until they asked us something about animal bites. And I said, oh, my God, I remember I got bit by my friend's dogs, both of them, either one bit me on the lip, one bit me on the like, something spooked them out, and they just jumped up and they went nuts. And thank God they bit me and not my wife or my friend or a neighborhood kid, because they would have possibly gotten an infection. Yeah. So they they surmised that maybe it came from that. But wow, okay. I was like seven, eight months. And he was like, well, because you work out so much and you're so fit and you take care of yourself, your body was literally fighting this infection. Mm-hmm. And here's a point that, that really drives it home, Ben. And it might make me emotional. He said, if this was anybody else, the, the speed the infection moved at once it hit your spine, most people." it probably went up one up to their brain within weeks he goes thank god you came here thank god we caught it but the difference between the ct scan from a week ago to now this thing ate away at more than half your spine in a week so i was like wow he goes it would have killed you which once again
0: yeah thank, thank, thank thank god literally you were exactly where you needed to be when you needed to be there
1: and, and you look at it like, hey, we were quite honestly been maybe satisfied initially with if a spine surgeon said you need fusion or we need this or we need that. But it would have actually delayed the actual correct diagnosis and treatment. And also if I had gotten cut open, you know, one of the side effects of surgery, possible side effect, right? Yeah. Infection. Yeah,
0: absolutely. The infection yeah. would
1: have spread like wildfire throughout my body. So thank God, but at the time mm-hmm. we thought, this is a nightmare. But looking back, it was like, it happened exactly how it needed to happen to get me as well as I could be as quick as possible.
0: You know, you've referred to, to God a few times already. We've talked about it off air. It's clearly, a, you know, your faith is clearly a key theme throughout this recovery. How 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 did you kind of channel that? And what was your your relationship like with your faith during these very early days where you literally couldn't get out of bed and you couldn't move?
1: Well, you know, no matter what level of faith you have within yourself, no matter how structured you are, how much you work at it, which quite admittedly, we weren't doing our devotionals. We lagged off from that. We got lazy. We didn't pray before meals. And you know, people might not think that's a big deal, but those little things add up to, to having God, Jesus in your life all the time. And by even just not doing the morning devotional, turn into not doing the evening one before bed. Because we have ones that we do as men and women, myself and my wife. And then we have a couple's one that we do. Then, you know, even stuff like the worldly things of wake up and look at the sales numbers for my affiliate business instead of looking at one verse from the Bible for your verse of the day, which takes Mm -hmm. about 20 seconds and maybe a minute to really percolate in your mind, your body, your soul, everything. You get away from that. And I truly was away from the walk and this. Forced me to say, You've been going in this direction way too long away from me. Come back. And people might be like, Well, you have comments, I'm sure you do too, or like, Well, God, God gave you that infection too, or God didn't heal you, the doctors and the antibiotics, and God didn't put you back in the gym to work hard. That's you doing all the work. Hey, we understand, Ben, you and I, as believers, you have to do the work. He's not going to hand you everything doing the work is a, you gotta, or else he's not going to help you. God only helps those that help themselves. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I felt was very powerful of me. And now just, just touching on this. I know we'll get to it now. Paralyzing, no pun intended, maybe a little bit, but the paralyzing part of it now is to not waste the opportunity that God has given me in the recovery and, and wouldn't be intention and purpose pun intended with your show, the purpose that I have, what do you, I'm literally looking up in the sky and say, what do you want me to do with this? What do well, you need me to do with this?
0: And this and this is the thing, because this whole journey you've been on, you could have just kind of ridden it out and gone to ground on it and dealt with it in your own way with your wife. But actually there's been huge power in the fact that you've chronicled this incredibly painful traumatic period of your life you know the reason you and i are talking right now is because you have been so open and you've talked about your faith and you've talked about the different um you know challenges you've had on this climb you know my, my business is second mountain this is all about the second mountain of your life and i would say that you right now stevie are living the second mountain of your life you've you know you've, you've well and truly gone through a valley this year and you're you're climbing up the other side now and I think, you know, as you say, talking about, you know, God gives, puts things in your pathways, but it's for you to, to kind of open those doors and walk through them. You know, you have managed to turn something, which has been incredibly challenging and you're inspiring, you know, huge amounts of people through being so open. And I think that's really powerful.
1: You know, it was, um, to me, thank you for saying that, by the way, you know, you're going to try to make me cry. I'm, I'm, hopefully, <laughs> I'm it's not okay. not, What was the most painful thing for me and this is going to sound so cliche the most upsetting thing and the thing that i kind of get emotional about outside of like just realizing what what has happened to me is when we used to take those walks on that walker you've seen the first shot that the assistant walker which selfishly i wanted one at home but my wife was like no no we're gonna push you to get out." i was like this is so easy but um when we were doing our walks especially at night before bed And I walked and I looked in the rooms and there were elderly people, especially looking up at the ceiling and they were wide awake and they had nobody there to hold their hand. Nobody there to tell them what was going to be all right. Nobody there to motivate them and encourage them to tell them, even though just like me thought I'm never going to get better because I had those thoughts, Ben, to have somebody grab you and say, you're going to get better and I'm here to help you. Seeing how lonely people can be and nobody there to reach out to them. I just prayed that they had God, and I did a video which you saw where I said, "Don't pray for me, pray for them," because I'm already now on the other side of this, and and there's still people today that don't have anybody, that don't have anybody that breaks my heart. Yeah, um, am I going to make you cry now?
0: No, <laughs> no, but it, it, you know it's hard to listen to, and you know, and you know, gosh, it it just really takes. Yeah, it's you're transporting me back there, even though I didn't live this experience. I want to ask like kind of you, you talked about but you used to wake up in the morning, look at your numbers for your your business. We've all been there, we've all fallen into that trap. But you know, that's all stripped away from you. You can't work for a period. Does that start to change your relationship with God again? Do you begin to actually find that connection again when everything else is stripped away from you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's not there's no distractions. There's no stress. what else are you gonna do. You're laying in bed. You know, one of the main main prayers that I said, especially in my moment of agony, I I did say agony because it truly was. The, the whole prayer was basically repeatedly, do not put one one thousandth of the pain that I'm experiencing right now. Anybody I love or care about. If saying, and I'm sure you've said this too, when you look at something that's challenging, you pretty much pray to God, if this is my cross to bear, then then so be it. Because my cross to bear is compared to the guy who has to actually, for real, get on that cross is nothing. Jesus Jesus suffered a million times worse than my worst day or that entire three weeks combined. He suffered much more in that entire, don't know the chronological calendar version, but maybe let's just say that entire weekend and then those three hours on the cross. We could never suffer as much as he did. Mm-hmm. And he knew it. I didn't even know this thing was coming. He knew his whole life that that was what was going to happen to him.
0: Your wife clearly has played, you know, a a very, very powerful role in this. I guess, how's it it been kind of for her going through this? And how has she managed to keep so strong during this time?
1: I don't know. I don't know, man. She's just strong. She was strong. Even when I and I apologize for if I scared her or made her worry too much. But she was always smiling, always there, and literally got me out of bed, got me off on the walker, got me, excuse me, got me off the walker to the cane, got me off the cane, got me in the water, got me everywhere I needed to be that I wanted. Because being injured is one thing, having an, an illness that you can't control or have no roadmap to recovery, I don't know. Now on the other side of it, the roadmap to me now doesn't count because I, I've had such an accelerated path that now I can push, continue to push myself. You want to talk about somebody that I, I can't say enough about her, that she truly is an angel from the morning, the moment she wakes up to the moment she goes to bed or we're together or not together. She lives the the, the life of somebody of faith of a believer. And she went away from it. And sometimes the material world does that, but her example and how she treats me and how she treats others. And just, you know, she is the light of my world, man. She's, I can't even, I can't put in the words, 44 years to meet this woman after having relationships that were not based on God, relationships that were not based on each person supporting each other, but one person kind of doing all the stuff. And, and and obviously wrestling full-time didn't foster a good environment for marriage. That's why I waited so long. But meeting her at 44, it's like my life started all over again for the better. I can't even remember what, what it was like to even be on the road full-time. I can't remember anything like I literally felt like I was born again or born for the first time when we got together.
0: And when, when did your, when did your faith journey begin? Was that whilst you were, uh, have you, have you always identified as a Christian? Was this when you were wrestling or has this been a more recent journey for you?
1: I was raised Catholic, Roman Catholic to be more specific. So all those dogmatic laws and all the Vatican stuff and everything. And I was raised Roman Catholic. Uh, My parents, and my family, for that matter, were not very religious or didn't go to church or anything like that. But especially like raised in a Catholic church or a Catholic school system, you had to go to church. So it was instilled in me. I still remember all the prayers, the rituals. I was an altar boy. I remember that. But then when I started wrestling, because I, it always goes in ebbs and flows, ups and downs, now has been the, the highest consistent point of of my walk because i have no choice god finally maybe it's accumulation now that we're talking then maybe it's accumulation of okay you've been up and down left and right in and out away from me and then further away and then back a little bit we got to, we got to, you know we got to hit the hit the button and go nuclear on this thing and get you all the way back um wrestling did it because wrestling was when i really Always pray to God and at least always talk to God and always try to include Him because it's a completely godless business outside of a few outliers here and there, and it's usually you don't talk about it. As a matter of fact, Vince McMahon will mock God from time to time, which is whatever. Do do whatever you he's, want that way.
0: He's, he's wrestled God, doesn't he? If memory serves, he's, he's wrestled
1: with God. I, I get that too because it was lined with Michaels. I'm not talking about the creative part of it, but I really do see. Mm that there's a lot of worldly stuff and entertainment and then you have wrestling and sports and stuff. It's a tough thing to say because it's a daily struggle. We all fall short. I can't quite pinpoint anything. All I can say for sure, I've tried my best most of the time. And then the other times where I say I tried my best, I'm lying to myself. I didn't try as hard as I needed to. And I was at a point before the infection where I was trying less and less and I needed this. That's the, and people think but you Christians are so insane But but we need you need a kick in the ass sometimes to tell you I'm still here. Stop ignoring me.
0: So what was the point? And we'll come on to wrestling in a minute. But what was your point, I guess, on this road to recovery? You've documented in these videos some incredible milestones. I think what was the point, Stevie, where you thought I'm on the, the comeback trail?
1: Um, I try not to get too proud of myself. And also I have, I have an immense fear of the infection coming back. Yeah. It's officially yeah. gone as of now, but if I ever get a cut or a puncture wound or a scrape, I'm I'm probably going to be freaking out a little bit inside. So it's, that's why I'm saying it's always going to live with me to some extent. When did I know I was on the road to recovery? I would say that video and let's back up for a second. Like I didn't do, I don't even know why we started documenting it. I just said to my wife, let's just document it because hopefully there will be a story to tell. Let's just document this. And even like just when I document, uh, I used to watch my matches or I document sometimes my workouts. I want to make sure my form is getting better. I want to make sure I'm getting better as professional. It was, it was kind of a dual purpose, but I really had no idea what we were going to do with it. And it wasn't from a standpoint of, me like look at me and do this and that I'm doing great and I'm or have sympathy for me it was really we were just doing it and I have to say God was probably saying this is your purpose now this is your intention and to be to be quite like frank with you my YouTube channel was getting a little bit too much into the hey look at the cool thing I got look at that it was going into show-off mode and I was losing Touch with the fact that, wait a minute, you're trying to take the noise out of the fitness industry. You're trying to appeal to people just starting out. You're trying to foster and encourage people to get started with their fitness journeys. What you're doing here has nothing to do with that. This once again was this is what you need to do. Here's your reminder. I was feeling better when I got the perspective because now I had a direction and a purpose. Then I was really feeling better. And I documented it on that one short video walking into the gym shaking up the pre-workout, getting on the treadmill for the first time and crying as I'm on the treadmill, because I know I couldn't do this like a month or two ago. Mm. So that's, that's when I think I really started to feel better. First time, there's, there's a whole bunch of first, first time on the treadmill, first time walking, walking without the cane. First time walking to the gym without the cane. First time hugging my wife without holding on to a counter or the walker behind her, first time laying in bed and letting her rest her head on my chest without it feeling like there's a knife going through my stomach into my back. And, and last night, hugging her, sleeping with her going, you know, and holding her spooning her or doing anything. it, it I think about it. I, yeah. I can't see how it's ever going to leave me. and I can't say how grateful I am that that feeling will never, ever leave me. I know I'm going on a bunch of tangents. So. No, no,
0: no. I mean, God, God willing, you know, you'll just continue to have more and more thirst. I mean, that, that, that shot of you running on the, was that the first time you ran on the beach at the end of that video? Oh, that was
1: a terrible idea. That was a terrible idea. Cause I don't, I don't I'm not a great yeah. runner anyway, running on the sand, even when I was in shape was not a good idea. That yeah, no, part,
0: no one can <laughs> run well on the beach. That's fine.
1: I look like I was running in place on the first part of it, but, but it was just, yeah. I just, we were sitting on the beach and I said, I said, you know what? I really want to show people that like, this is an absolute miracle and then I ran and then my wife was like I'm like are you I was thinking are you done yet when I was running away I was like I just kept running and then she got me on the way back and it was just like I started getting emotional again now I was winded my heart rate was probably 180 I was literally bent over like this but um I was like that was that was incredible couldn't do that a couple months ago
0: yeah it's amazing a real miracle As, as you said earlier i'm interested because you talked about your um your business kind of getting away from you a bit and you were starting to maybe look for goals which weren't quite aligning with why you set up the business and your purpose in the first place now you've had this you know very traumatic period that you've gone through how are you approaching you know what you do at stevie richards fitness now are you have you kind of changed a bit in terms of what you're putting out there and how you're helping people
1: Well, there's more of a story, obviously. You you do a product review and just say, here's the product. But each piece of equipment that I'm using and reviewing is part of the road to recovery, Mm -hmm. which is going to be another year of doing these things. So I'm trying to bake them into each other because separating them, you know, after it's funny looking at social media, like everybody was tons of interaction and tons of people when I was at my lowest point, which is great. You know, you're talking about metrics, which I don't. You got to care a little bit, but not. I don't care anywhere near as much as before it has happened. But I, but I laugh because it's like none of them better. Nobody cares because <laughs> they just went down like that. But but they do, I have a core audience that I'm very thankful for. And if I could give anybody any kind of advice from a content creation standpoint, if you're looking at numbers, have a have 25, 50, hundred. If you're blessed to have 500, a thousand people that are loyal hardcore followers of everything you do you're you're so much better off having that loyal of an audience than the big five six figure numbers of people just kind of passing through i mean do you agree with that you have yeah where people are listening and hang on every word of the interview the people just kind of passing through they kind of you know maybe maybe plants a seed where later on they 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 find their faith by you you want a loyal audience? Not it's, just it's,
0: numbers. A, it's a hard one because you are when you are a content creator, you are kind of brought into this mantra that you should be aiming for thousands or tens of thousands. It's all about the likes, it's all about the impressions. But actually, for me, when I launched this podcast, it was specifically to have conversations like the conversation I'm having now with you. It was there was there was no other motivation to it. It wasn't it wasn't fame. It wasn't numbers. It was I just want a platform where I can find inspiring people and share their stories. And as soon as I put it out there, it's resonated and it leads me to conversations like today. And if this conversation goes nowhere beyond the two of us, you know, I'll always be touched and remember this conversation, if that makes sense. Like it's, these are are kind of universe connections, which platforms like this allow for. Um, And I think there's a danger that we get really caught up in this kind of creating content for other people as opposed to creating content for ourselves.
1: Yeah. You you have the same model as Joe Rogan. I hope you get just as much success as Rogan. And, and your your outlook is great because you're more focused. You're not distracted. You're not thinking, everybody's human. You're thinking in the back of your mind, if metrics mean everything, as you're talking to me, God, this gets a lot of views, this goes on TV. How can I put this up on, you know, a wrestling fan, Reddit or something? You know what I mean? You're not in fully engaged like we are right now. So I I commend you for that. Because very easy to look at and compare yourself to other supposed big yeah, yeah. yeah and, and it. I, yeah, not, it's, not, it's not
0: healthy. And again, it comes down to a faith thing because really I'm talking to an audience of one right now. And um, you know, <laughs> let's be honest, when you put it into context, I, other people's, what other people think of me, completely irrelevant. It's interesting, you talked about success, not to not to do too much wrestling name dropping, but I recently had Matt Cardona on the show and he was talking about his journey over the last few years since leaving WWE. And he was talking about, how it's redefined success for him in terms of he used to look at it one way and in the last three years, he's been the happiest he's ever been. You know, you are someone who has competed in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people, you know, hundreds of thousands, if we include WrestleManias, you know, you've you've been to the very top of the, I guess, the fame of sports entertainment. What What is success to you these days?
1: Success is none of that. And I'm sure Matt would say, Matt, by the way, is a great guy. Great guy. We were friends uh, back when he and uh, Myers were the major brothers back in WWE. We did some overseas tours. You couldn't meet two guys that just love wrestling, purely love it, and have such a, not an innocence, but have the right attitude towards wrestling. The wrestling business needs more people in it, like Matt and Brian, the, the two top quality guys, you know, out, out of any, but not just in the business, but in life. Right? Those are two really good guys. Um, success for me is now, like like I said, when I went my life, I felt like I was born again. When I started Stevie Richards Fitness, even though at first I only sold one, one program in a year to a friend that did it because she felt sorry for me. Um, but success to me is controlling my own destiny. I'm sure Matt gave you a similar answer that success or failure now is really 100% on me. In wrestling, you have the scapegoat saying Oh, creative didn't do this. They didn't push me. They're not using me right. They're not booking me. You you fall into this thing of a self-fulfilling prophecy of failure because it's never your fault. But when you run your own business, like you have your show, nobody's gonna, well, maybe with AI soon, but nobody's gonna record yeah. that show for you. Nobody's gonna hit record. Nobody's gonna do the the like work to to sync up times like we did. But that's success. Success is not. The actual money figure, success is not the actual notoriety. Success is waking up and at least having a shot of controlling your own destiny and future. That's that's what I think in just a capsulated version. When I wake up, it's up to me. And God willing, if I wake up, the fact that I wake up is a bonus. Yeah. Now, now, in order to honor God, I want to work as hard and do as much to serve Him and I, I, I you know, serve other people that's really, I think, what I learned from the infection, too, what my content is. You're here to serve others. You're not here to serve yourself. And your content is becoming self-serving.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 I can get that. I get that completely. So, look, I want to take it back to, and we're, we're going to circle back again to to where you are now, but I want to go back to many, many years ago and to the early part of your career. You know, look, one of the reasons that you had such a big following and you had such a big outreach when you became ill earlier this year is obviously because of the personality you've built up through wrestling and i really want to take you back to i guess what we call the little promotion but could in ecw i mean you were an ecw original and we're now talking almost 25 years since the original ecw shut its doors yet still everywhere you hear the chance i'm going to be at wrestlemania next year in philly i can guarantee you there's going to be a lot of those ECW dub chants Hmm. what is it you were there at the time i only saw it through a tv screen what was it about that that was just so special and why why all these years on has no one really been able to recapture that magic
1: let me let me do this for you because this is a, this is part of our interview i know you want to see the stuff behind the vibe board
0: there it is so for purposes of audio, we have unleashed the BWA Blue World Order T-shirts. There we are.
1: There I'm not going to keep it on that angle, but <laughs> uh, what we have there is the original BWO outfit from the original November to remember 96. Somebody made me a BWO championship belt for myself, for Nova and Mini. That was a very great gesture. And there's the original ECW tag team championship Titus, belt. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not really like, I'm just somebody like my wife was more like, put that stuff up to honor the career and the, that's honoring the people around me. When I look at that, I don't think about what I did. I think about Raven with the tag belts. I think about Mini and Nova. Think about Paul. Think about the people that made the BWO. The good little Guido like putting me over every night when he could probably kill me in five seconds. Cause he's a shooter. Um, but that's the, all those people I mentioned. And then many, many more. Sabu, Taz, the, the Eliminators, all these people, had their own Rob Van Dam. I'm trying not to leave anybody out. They were allowed to be their personalities. It was a variety show. Everybody who was on the screen there, including myself, because I was a clueless putz back then. I was a kid that was very naive. It all translated into authenticity on your television. And that's why people still say it's not the crazy stuff, even though we did crazy stuff. It's not the people that came through or anything like that, which almost everybody came through ECW before going to WCW and WWE or Japan or whatever. It's basically authenticity. What you saw were real people turned up to 11. And that's why I think the characters live on uh, today and the promotion lives on because the promotion in itself was 100% authentic.
0: Did you have any sense when you were going through that time? So talking about 1996, you know, you're in this, you're, you're, you know, it's affectionately referred to as the bingo hall, but you're in this very, very small community, but this community of unbelievably passionate fans. Did you have any sense at the time that you were in the midst of this complete kind of cultural zeitgeist that would end up changing the face of wrestling?
1: I would dare to say, if you, if you talked to anybody else, I'm sure, I'm
0: sure, I'm sure Paul Heyman did. I'm sure he, he knew
1: well i no, i didn't know at all we were just trying to get through that that show or that week or that month i don't really know if paulie knew because paul was just trying to keep it afloat he was too busy trying to keep it solvent trying to get a pay-per-view trying to keep the doors from closing from day one so on you know, day one was todd gordon eddie gilbert those guys ecw is kind of like impact is right now you just assume it It can't last much longer so, and that's why guys would leave too, because you're not making much money and we don't know how long this is gonna last. WWE, of course, could go out of business, but almost did, but not nowhere close to like where ECW was. But now that we look back at it, it's just like we're, we're over the legend. We 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 got to do what every wrestler wants to do, and we got to do multiple instances of creating memories. Yeah. We could I mean, if you get one thing in your wrestling career that lets people know like, or makes people remember you 25 years later. I'm blessed enough, I think, to be remembered for tagging with Raven and being in the group, the BWO, right to censor, BWO again in WWE, which we got to do it again. Uh, two Degree, Dr. Stevie and TNA was kind of a character people enjoyed. I mean, that's that's one, that's five things, right? On Count Crack, i say, whatever. It's, it's like multitudes on top some people never get a character never get an angle never get a moment i got all those things multiple times in every promotion
0: how much of that was you versus what creative gave you like for example the the bw i've always been curious you know who came up with that idea and did you just see it as kind of a one-shot deal for and then it just kind of went on and on and on or did you think it had legs
1: Well, here's the thing about wrestling back then. You weren't given full creative, or you weren't given like a script. You weren't given, this is what you're going to do. And you're going to step three steps to the left. You're going to say these words. You did no scripts. It was literally, you got seven minutes to talk. We're talking about this. Go do it. Get Get these bullet points across. And that's what we do. And once again, authentic. It didn't sound choreographed. It didn't sound rehearsed. It didn't sound like, It was a paper written by a completely other person that didn't experience your life. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's what I say. Like for me, it was really the test. You get tested in wrestling. So, like you said, one shot deal. BWO we thought was a one shot deal because every parody before that was a one shot deal, or maybe the blue dust one and Baron von Stevie was, there's another memory that people remember, you know, that they, Oh yeah, remember that. So with with uh, ECW and why wrestling used to be here's your ball points go out there get over here's your finish and that's it go out there have a 15 minute match succeed or fail in front of a live crowd in front of the toughest crowd in the world that's that's how wrestling has changed and that's why I think is missing a lot from wrestling today is nobody's allowed to succeed or fail on their own. they're either propped up or in Matt Cardona Cardona's case, Look great. Had had this. Got himself over, and they buried him, in in spite of him getting himself over because they didn't do it. That's how wrestling's changed.
0: What do you think was the key behind the BWO getting so over? Because it's not like the NWO hasn't been. Well, I guess at the time that was the first parody of the NWA, but since then there's been so many iterations of that group. Why do you think that one struck a chord so much?
1: because ECW wanted to stick the middle finger, they, the fans wanted to stick the middle finger up to WCW and in the mainstream. Because when we came out that uh, November uh, 1996, if I do remember, I think what made we look, I, you could see me look around. I had the sunglasses on, but my eyes were like, holy, what, you know, what's going on? Because we knew it wasn't one shot when we got out there because fans were chanting BWO the loudest, it was like one of the loudest chants that you'd ever hear in the ECW arena. And that's when Paul said, we're running with it. It's a parody. I can make t-shirts. And when the t-shirts sold out, we knew that we're sticking with this for a while.
0: And how much pushback was there from WCW at the time? I mean, this was this was kind of lawsuit central with with the kind of Scott and Ray, you know, Scott and Diesel stuff and all that kind of stuff going on. Like, how much pushback was there against ECW? Zero.
1: Zero. You can't sue the- anybody for a parody. You can't sue him for a parody. Amazing. Well, so maybe um, par- parody me, because I'm, I'm technically a parody anyway, go ahead and do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you and you your time at ECW, you know, you, you, you were involved in some, some incredible firsts. As I said, you are an ECW original. You are on the first Japanese tour of ECW. You're, you're in the first uh, main event of the first pay per view, barely legal in '97. Um, yeah, that was scary <laughs> to be to be I, in, the, I, in that ring on that night.
1: Oh my God, I am. I, um, I remember sitting there and, and, and uh sam and terry and i were talking over a little bit of there are some things you have to talk over weapons and stuff and kind of kind of like block it out but um which didn't go the way we blocked it out anyway so we wasted our time should we just throwing them at each other but sam was being sam and terry turned to me and said oh stevie what do you want to do and or no no he said what do you want to do and i didn't quite answer him because i didn't know how to answer and he goes what are you thinking and i was like what the hell am i doing here I mean, you you know what I mean? I, I i just felt like I didn't fit. But there were people out there, quite honestly, that thought because it was ECW and it was Paul, and it was so on the nose that Terry was going to win the world title, that there was, and thank God we didn't, because I wasn't ready for it. And think about a wrestler ever saying that. I wasn't ready for it. I would not have carried or represented the company as well as Terry did, and it would have felt flat to have me win it. But there was a quick second where they were considering myself or Sandman hmm. going over as a swerve just to keep it fresh. Yeah, and I guarantee sure. you I would have been a heel after that night because they wanted Terry to win. I would have turned instantly. Instant heat, though. Not meaning to, but yeah, we didn't yeah. give them what they wanted.
0: So what stands out to you then? As your? Do you have one defining moment from your time in ECW that you're, that you're proudest of?
1: I'm I'm, pr- I'm proud of everything that I was involved in. Almost everything. I mean, we did the we did the crucifixion angle, which was something that was like, eh, you know, I was out there and I was doing the thing, and I was just kind of like, I was pretty ashamed of it. My my church wanted to excommunicate me, which I guess be the first wrestler excommunicated from Catholic Church. <laughs> That's yeah. something I can hang my hat on, I guess. They did. They didn't. If you're gonna watch any episodes, W, I guess that was the one I didn't want them to watch.
0: Well, that was but, that was. Am I am I right in saying that was the famous night when Kurt Angle was there as a guest, and yes, walked out in outrage. Yeah, yeah,
1: but that's good for Kurt because he had a great, he had a better career going straight to WWE than ECW. Mm. So God, in a way, was looking. He wasn't looking over to the angle to stop it, but he was looking over Kurt to tell him, yeah, yeah, you can go somewhere else, man. Yeah, but but it's hard to say, Ben, because. I've had, so I'm so proud of being involved in every booking I've had, whether it's in a TV promotion and indie, there's a big responsibility when someone books you, they're counting on you to hopefully help them make their money back and make a profit. And the fans are coming counting on you to give them an experience that they can remember, hopefully positively and not negatively. And and that means every single one. And then like, I've, I mean, I don't know if I'm done or not. I think I'm done because of my back. But even now, if I got booked, I'd want to give people exactly what they remember when I was a full-time TV wrestler.
0: Hmm. Well, that therein lies the challenge, doesn't it? But Because with, with, with wrestling, there's an expectation that you'll never age. And so you see wrestlers go way beyond their prime and continue because I guess the, I guess the combination of not wanting to let the fans down, but also not wanting to let the dream go. But it's a, it's a it's a tough industry in that regard, isn't it? But you, you you see often people who probably should have hung up the boots years ago continuing on in, in front of quite small crowds. And is that something that you're quite conscious of? Like pre-infection, were you kind of aware that maybe it's time to start winding it down? Or do you still really enjoy every booking you
1: get? Well, I would say this about the guys that hang on. I think most of the times it's a combination between two things. I don't think it has any, I mean, it's just my honest opinion or right? opinion. What I believe, what I see. It's not so much not want to let the fans down because I think it lets the fans down when you have to wear a t-shirt, a pair of jeans, cover your body, move it like one-tenth the speed. You know, that's a natural aging thing. I'm not saying there's that the guys are, you know, like like you have say phoning it in or mailing it in or not working hard. Their bodies have just started to fail them in regard of taking bumps wrestling is not a healthy way to treat your spine or your body it eventually hits a wall so for me the number one thing before this whole thing happened was if i ever have to wear a shirt i'm done i I don't have to look like a bodybuilder but i want to look like i'm in shape and then when or i want to look like i kind of do in the eight by tens that i try to sell at the merch table because to me that was always a novelty that I, you look like you do in the pictures. So mm-hmm. I will buy a picture mm-hmm. where other guys, I, I felt so bad seeing them. They're like, man, you don't look like, even your know, fans don't care. Oh, like, man, you don't look like that anymore. That, that hurts, especially a wrestler with great pride and wanting to look. And there's guys that have been professionals in bodybuilding and football and stuff. And then when they start to, to kind of degrade, to degrade their physical fitness or health, you know, that's a very hurtful thing to say, but you kind of put yourself out there to have it said. I think it's a mix between, not the fans, but the mix between financials because they never tried anything or had a backup plan or saved or invested and their own desire to feed their ego because that's what wrestling does. It makes you feel like a star. It makes you feel like larger than life, like a celebrity. And when that goes away, if that's what you always attach your value as a human being to, then you're, you're, you're worthless yeah. unless you do it. I was very, I've been very blessed that as my career was winding down, I find value in my wife. I find value in the friends that I've kept after wrestling. I've had more friends. There's a saying, if you have from wrestling, if you have enough friends to count on one hand, then you're lucky. I have a new one. If you have enough friends after you leave wrestling, you can count on one finger you're lucky and blessed i I I have many more friends than that
0: who have those kind of deep connections that you've kept through the world of wrestling that have become true friends as the years have gone on
1: because they had nothing to do with wrestling right for example angel from the baldies you know ecw angel the baldies we share a love for fitness and health and nutrition and we talk more about that than we never bring up wrestling we text back and forth he's one of the few wrestlers that basically have always, like, yeah, especially when I got sick. Hey man, how you, every single day a text praying for your brother, right? how you feeling this and that and the other thing. And it's just amazing. It, it warms my heart because that's the real, you have these wrestling friends or fair weather or entertainment friends or friends from the football team. But after you're done that and the lights go out and the TV cameras are off and you're living essentially a normal life, that's who you find out who the real people you've touched each other's lives. Uh, Glenn Jacobs is still a very good friend of mine. We talk a lot about me taking the next step and serving others and following a path like Glenn has followed, prayed about it, talked about it. Can you imagine two ex-wrestlers? Hey, let's pray about this. I have a very good friend, Donovan Morgan, who's been the biggest inspiration in my life and my best friend because this is a guy who didn't get the notoriety I did in wrestling, wrestled full-time in Japan for many years, ran his own promotion on the West coast. And then after wrestling moved from California to Florida with $200 in his pocket that I lent him. I didn't want him to pay me back, but he eventually paid me back. Lent him. So you want to talk about the, like the rock story, the seven buck. Yeah. Donovan Morgan's is right along that trying to get a life post wrestling, a career post wrestling, mortgage industry, other things, trying different things outside of that finally went into insurance and financial planning and it took years and years and years of paying his dues. The dudes are multimillionaire now, but you know what else he is? He's more re- each with each dollar he may makes each success. The only reason he has it is because when he was at his lowest point, he asked God, please, God stop or help me stop drinking. Help me stop going down this path. Help me start going into a path of success. Help me be a better husband. Help me eventually be a better father. And guess what happened? All those things happened. Yeah. And he thanks God and praises God more and more with each sale, each commission, each level of success that he's attaining. Donovan is the the most inspirational wrestling success story that I've ever seen that you've never heard of.
0: Amazing. I mean you talk about the guy with
1: all my heart, man. He is he has done so much. I just wish people knew. And I hope people if you don't, I hope they listen to the whole show between us, Ben. But if you don't hear anything else, I want Donovan's story told because it is it's just amazing. Absolutely. That
0: sounds incredible. We have to introduce me. Like oh, yeah. One. I
1: mean, if you ever want him on your show, dude, he yeah. talking about faith and journey. Maybe that's what God just did to us. Because I didn't have that on my mind, but now we just talked about it. Yeah. I would love to see about getting him on your show.
0: Because for me, a big part of this actually was for this podcast to be a platform for uh someone who has so I've loved wrestling for over thirty years. It's been it's been my passion, it's been my love, my hobby. My my poor wife has yeah, endured many, many years of wrestling conversations. Both of our lives. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I I I want to use this podcast as a platform to to shine a spotlight on some of the incredible people and his stories that exist within professional wrestling and the stories that maybe we don't hear so much. So yeah, absolutely. That's very much an open invitation. Hook me up.
1: I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a uh, note. So I don't forget so the CT doesn't kick in.
0: No, so, right, I'll follow up with it. I was going to ask you, so you mentioned it re- before right to censor WWE. What was that like? You know, that, that was a very kind of topical um pushback wasn't it from wwe or wwf at the time to some of the kind of criticism they were they were taking for their programming their adult focused program and what was it like to to be in that group did you have did you have fun in that role
1: no not at all i i'm not being serious just because there was a lot of personal issues and other things going on during that time performing was great but my physical fitness was at an all-time low i gained i went up to 262 pounds mm-hmm. gained a bunch of weight wasn't performing to the standards of a TV um, sports entertainer. But I did really like the, the gimmick, the act because it wasn't so much a gimmick. Cause I did believe we were doing way too many things that were way crazy and guys were getting hurt. Girls were getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Things were happening. It was just great to be able to be the person and be a heel that people remembered. you know, to this day, it was really cool now you know the the whole reason for it was a parody and a really a middle finger to the parent television council but i didn't care because i knew we had something and it could have lasted a lot longer but the politics and uh my friend jacob israel was actually the writer that wrote most of the promos and we did it together uh for right to censor and they were really faith based cult like promos yeah so and now he has a youtube channel where he talks about a lot about what's going on in the world. I don't know if you're familiar with his stuff. No, no. But look up Jacob Israel, check it out. He does a lot of great dissection of mainstream media, what's going on, the biblical aspect of the, the times we're living in right now. And really, really fascinating stuff. But he's another guy, very close, like a brother to me, post wrestling. And they just can't, don't get that a whole lot. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you 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 know, you you mentioned kind of wrestling being a godless, a bit of a godless industry. Um, You know, were the people during the time that you were wrestling, an active wrestler, certainly in ECW and WWE, and then later in Impact, were the people that you gravitated towards and shared a faith with, or did that kind of come afterwards when you were able to get off the relentless world of the schedule?
1: It, It came afterwards. Admittedly, I would I would hide most of the times from the office because they're long days and it's hard enough just to perform and then go through the politics of it. So I tried to always eliminate that more times than not, if there was a building with a skybox, a luxury suite, I'd bring my Dreamcast or my Xbox up there and I would play. And then sometimes Kane or d or both of them, we'd play Madden. And then we played in the hotel rooms and we had a, we had a system too. when we drove myself, Kane, d Charles Robinson, sometimes Rosie we had a convoluted, like back then it wasn't as easy to play portable video games. Yeah. So I had a DVD player, I had all these RCA cables plugged into the Xbox, big power inverter, fuse box to make sure we didn't destroy the car battery or anything. <laughs> so if you played Madden on a long trip and you kept winning, you didn't have to drive. <laughs> okay. That's a cool, that's a cool little yeah. Like I, you know, there's certain people that have other stories that are probably a lot more exciting, but we love that stuff.
0: Yeah, we played
1: Ghost Recon. We'd all bring our original Xboxes. I'd bring two hundred feet of the Ethernet cable that was broken up into three or four pieces, and we would string that between three to four rooms, have walkie talkies, and play Ghost Recon as a squad on a land party before we flew home. Oh man, those are the times I miss. I
0: love it. Yeah, I've always we're going off on tangents, but I've always been interested about that. Like you, you, you talked about like a bit of a motley crew of 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 travel buddies there like how you've got to spend as a as a performer so much time on the road day in and day out like who how do you know is it a natural thing that you just organically find your people over time that you it's effortlessly easy to spend time
1: with yeah you kind of know who with me it was really easy who doesn't drink who doesn't go out to strip clubs who doesn't stay up all night who likes to go to the gym in the morning and not like right before you got to be at the building those are my parameters and i reached a point i was traveling with glenn and glenn and i it really hit it off. Then, then we had d We all, I think Glenn and D'Lo knew each other from Smoking Mountain. So I kind of maybe joined them actually Charles Robinson, he's a, he's one that walked the walk too. Uh, but these things never really came up. It was just basically eliminating, I guess, devices and habits yeah. and then your travel partners, but more than anything after a while, I mean, I travel with Dreamer and uh, Lil Guido too but they like to go to the bars and stuff. And then I'd stay back in the room. I did have a deal once. They, this is a funny story. In uh, in HWA, Bill Demont was there. We were all there when the, the merger happened. We all get sent down there and stuff. And Bill Demont had a bet with me that like, if you stay out all night and drink, I will go to the gym with you and do cardio in the morning. <laughs> well, I stayed up all night. I drank. I started to kind of do these spit it out afterwards yeah. and the way it was looking. But I dragged each and every one of them to a 24-hour gym, did an hour of cardio. You've never seen so much puke around a cardio room in your life. Not for me, thank God, but everybody else was. But then they said after that, they're like, well, we're not going to ask this guy to go out with us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> not so,
0: for the early mornings.
1: But, but the faith part of it didn't really come until much long, like longer post-full-time wrestling where I, where I discovered who people who were believers or they were believers but falling short and maybe just needed brothers around them to kind of lift them up that kind of stuff it it all thought it just like anything else with god it reveals itself over time it's not something that beats you over the head you kind of catch them one day oh wait what did you say church oh wait a minute hold on a second and that's how it happens
0: yeah there's little conversations where you just slip in oh what did you do at the weekend i was at church and people are like what and that I used to get that in work a lot. That used to be a real thing Like people wouldn't expect it. Oh yeah. I was just mm-hmm. at worship on Sunday morning. Pardon? <laughs> what were you doing? And it, yeah. Oh, well, you have tattoos.
1: Uh, so obviously you're a saint worshiper, right? You have tattoos. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I got one more. I got one more wrestling question before we, before we wrap up ECW one night stands, 2005. Now as a, as a fan, you know, that was peak for me. I'd grown up with ECW. I was in my early 20s by by one night stand. Um, if there'd been any possible way to get there to the Hammerstein Ballroom that night and be there in person, I would have given anything. But I wasn't. I watched it on TV and it was just, it's still, it's my go-to show every so often just for, you know, the atmosphere, the adrenaline, the, the energy and the love in that place that night. What, what was that like to to go back and relive all that all over again?
1: Well, I would, I would have liked to have a match. Uh, I would have liked to have a match. But if you see there, my left knee was wrapped up extensively. Funny story. After the Chris masters thing with poor guy always has to answer the question about breaking my face. Uh, But we had uh, me running in on a house show in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I believe it was. And it was like a kind of like came down on an angle, like a, like a ramp, the entrance. It wasn't like a straight Mm. like cement thing. And they wanted me to run down and slide in the ring and attack them. Well, this was like the fourth or fifth match, and everybody wets their hair, everybody wets their body. Mm-hmm. I ran, them? and as I was slide going to slide in the ring, my feet stayed on the floor, and my knee crashed into that the apron. Everybody bumps on now and breaks their back. Big mystery mm-hmm. there. Yeah, hit that hit that crossbar in the middle where it was just welded steel and blew my knee out. So I wasn't able to do a whole lot. So that we did the uh the appearance to BWO I Stevie kicked Sam and then cash dove on all of us and landed on my knee. <laughs> you can see oh. me grab my knee. So look back next time you want to watch it. But yeah we were excited cautiously cautiously optimistic but also there was a sense of foreboding because we knew WWE was not going to do justice to ECW. We knew it. Mm. So mixed emotions uh, uh, to to say the least, but very excited to look around and say, man, this is about as, you want to use Rothall authenticity just like the original ECW. If they did anything right that night in the Hammerstein, even Mm. in the next year in the Hammerstein, I was like, my God, this is like a time we time traveled back to the original ECW. Just it wasn't,
0: between the rise and fall of ECW DVD and then One Night Stand 2005, you know, if they put a bow in it there, that would have been the perfect end to ECW.
1: But they never put a, a bow in it.
0: There's no, not when it, not when there's money to be yeah, made. Beat it um,
1: up and destroy it. We got to get it. We got to make it. And it's yeah. still went. I'm sure deep down, Vince is like, my oh God, I couldn't kill that thing. And they're still chanting that thing. And they know. I think they have, uh, we call them DJ Jazzy Def on the show, the, the piped in sounds. Yep. They're gonna on WrestleMania they are gonna turn down the ECW chance. I know it for no, a fact. Don't five.
0: you worry, I'll do it extra loud. I'll stand by a mic, I'll have my ECW t shirt on at WrestleMania so and I suspect I will not be the only one.
1: Man, there's people telling me, like, oh my god, they need to have one ECW match. You should be a part of that. And I'm like, let this thing fuse first and let's see where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> let's not I, I I I I still remember being in the hospital. I don't need it. Yeah. Yet. I mean, unless as Jesse Ventura famously said, I mean, if you put the decimal point in the right place, I... I uh,
0: yeah, never say yeah. never when it comes to wrestling. But you, 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 you mentioned We're it there. We're close we talked,
1: to never, man. We're pretty close to... You, you, you know, mentioned, you mentioned it there about
0: the the, the the kind of bumps on the apron. Like, do you now look back at a performance? Because I, as a fan, and a, a, a real novice who's never done what you do day in and day out, but I look at some wrestling now and I wince and I'm uncomfortable. Do you... Do you sometimes see spots like that, like the what's become commonplace, like the power bomb on the on the apron or the whatever, where someone almost lands on their head, like a pile driver on that bit of a ring or something, and just cringe as well? Especially with your kind of some of your health issues that you've
1: had. Yeah, I feel for these kids. I really do. I actually, I communicate with quite a few of them. I'm not going to say because I do podcasts where we criticize the product. I don't want to get them in trouble. No, I communicate with WWE wrestlers. I communicate with Impact wrestlers. I especially communicate with AEW wrestlers because they're the most that I worry about because they're young kids with a whole mm-hmm. career, a WWE career, I think, ahead of them. And you know, just the apron bumps. And that's why that vibe board back there for the telestrator thing. I really want to point out dangerous stuff, but I also want to point out things that people do right to hopefully hopefully reinforce the good. Now I've done crazy stuff. I've been Let on fire. I've been, you know, the 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 testicular claw from Luna. I've uh, I've done also wrapped in barbed wire, other stuff, but it's always been at the climax of a storyline. There's all I didn't do that night in and night out. I did it when the storyline called for it. And if you notice, a lot of my stuff in ECW and even throughout wrestling was very much entertainment based. The matches were secondary to the moments. Yeah. So. Yes, because I'm 51, and I'm feeling it. I have a feeling these people are going to be feeling worse than I do, and worse than other guys in their 50s before they even hit 30. And I hope I'm wrong, but they're moving at a, such an accelerated pace. There's going to be people in wheelchairs or having fusion surgeries before they're 30.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure was, I'm sure it's great power. Do, do you right? agree with that assessment? Yeah, I, I do, and, it, and it, it scares me the same as you know watching wrestling in the late '90s. And you know, we talked about the pro- kind of proliferation of hardcore matches and um, ladder matches and TLC matches and really stiff chair shots. And you know, from Hell in a Cell night, For
1: no yeah. more money, dude. For no more money, that's their standard rate. Yeah. You're not fighting for a pay per view bonus in AEW, are you? From what I know, I don't know if they pay pay per view bonuses. But if it's a WrestleMania, you know you're if you're in the right spot, you you can get a million dollar check Mm. that can set your family up for life. That's the risk that I'm. Those are the kind of risks that I. I think it's.
0: I think it's two kinds of fans because for me, I mean, I've been there since the early '90s. You know, for me, I want to be entertained. I want to escape. I want to see good athleticism and story. But apart from anything else, I want people to be safe. There's a reason I, I watch pro wrestling and I don't watch boxing. I don't watch MMA. And I don't watch other physical sports because actually I, I love the fact ever since I was kind of woken up to how it all works. I love the fact that actually it's it's two incredible athletes looking after one another. And that for me is where the art form comes. When you, When you see a match where even with 30 years of fandom behind you, you completely forget about the fact that these two people are actually working together. That's where the real magic is. And for me, it's all in those moments. As it's in those storytelling. It's lots of what we've seen from WWE over the last year is incredibly long, satisfying story arcs and payoffs. And, you know, the the action and the 50, 50 moves a minute thing, for me, just burns me out. But maybe that's because I'm a, I'm a fan of the early 90s when it was squash matches and, um, you know, very one-sided affairs and that was enough. And it wasn't about these ultra-competitive matches that you then got into in the... In the monday night wars
1: yeah it was um i agree with you i i think the word you used that has been completely lost his art form the, the 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 whole goal is to not hurt your opponent nor yourself so you can work the next day yeah Al Snow sums it up perfectly if you ever watch his videos and how he talks about it he no one could sum it up better now but the reason why you don't watch boxing in usc because you're like there could be a chance i could watch somebody die Mm -hmm. Not into that. I just want to be entertained.
0: Yep.
1: Wrestling is getting to the point now where the ratings are going down because the core reason that people watched it to enjoy it are now like, oh, these guys are killing each other. Or I already saw an apron bump and they seem to be okay. So if they don't care, why should I care? You have such a disconnect of what happens in those squash matches. They got away from them, but that was the formula to sell tickets and sell pay per views because. The squash matches of two opponents, squash, 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 they raise up until they get to the culmination of, oh, now we have a face-off. These two unstoppable elements or unstoppable wrestlers are now going to meet. I don't know who could win because both these guys have beaten so many people. Yeah. That's been lost. The competitive matches are what we call the money matches. Now they give them away for free. Yeah. So I, I agree with you there. The art form's lost because now – there's too much oversaturation, too many matches, too many matches at the same time, too many over guys, wrestling over guys. Then somebody's got to lose. So somebody gets hurt creatively. It's a formula that that I really think has lost its way and is not the formula for longevity. And that's why Dante Martin, these are the people that I really like, end up twisting her ankle in the opposite direction because they're trying to impress the promoter.
0: Mm. What do you think? Just just to kind of bring it full circle in your career, what do you think is the key to longevity? Like you're you're thirty years into this now, Steve. You like, how, what what is is it about sense making sensible choices? And do you think it's there's there's luck? Like why do you think you've lasted so long?
1: Well, I think it's beyond that. I mean, I've had that terrible neck injury from the guardrail from Terry Funk and being uh, temporarily paralyzed. I had a fusion surgery in my twenties. I've done myself no favors. God has given me now a third chance at health after the infection. And I I could have come out of it a lot worse out of everything, out of even some other injuries could have been a lot worse. Could have been career ending, could have been life threatening, life ending. Could it be all these things? So I drew truly do think I'm blessed. I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. It's not me. There's something that I was meant to do. uh, And I continue to be graced and given grace to do this so I have to figure out exactly what that is or maybe I'm doing it but I would say longevity wise just live healthy because your body in wrestling wrestling is meant to break your body down much like working out it's what you do as far as your nutrition your sleep your lifestyle habits which is what literally kills a lot of athletes and entertainers I think that's the key not doing drugs not drinking living a very productive type of enjoyable lifestyle outside of wrestling, being multifaceted, being a Renaissance person, where wrestling is not the end-all be-all that defines you. Find something. I found fitness. It's a thing that'll never get old to me. I'll do it for the rest of my life as long as I'm, I'm able to, so I can run a business off of that. Technology. I love technology. We're able to talk different time zones and all this stuff. I can combine technology and the fitness to produce fitness content. Uh, And then talk about wrestling. I can do, I have a skill where I can actually hopefully save talent from doing unnecessary things. This is what I hope and pray for every talent, whether they're 20 years old or even 70, something like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. I want them to find a purpose after wrestling that they can see and feel like, that was great, but I'm so much more. I was happy there, but I'm so much happier now. But unfortunately, after you get past a certain time and age and chapter in your life, you're you're all in on wrestling, and we've seen a lot of a lot of tragedies because they couldn't let go of the wrestling stigma or the wrestling bubble.
0: Well, I'm I'm so you know I'm so grateful that we're here to have this conversation that that hasn't. Being the part of you <laughs> yeah absolutely man just to wrap up for anyone that maybe goes through a situation like you've gone through so finds himself in a in a very unexpected setback life-threatening condition something happens some health-wise a real curveball um any i i know it's still early days and you're still very much on this journey but is there any advice you can give or any words of wisdom from the things that got you through during your darkest days
1: It might seem a little uh, contradictory to say this, but if you are one of those people that were laying in a hospital bed alone, looking up at the ceiling, nobody holding your hand, nobody telling you right there and then physically that it's going to be okay, you're still not alone. I never felt alone during this, even when my wife wasn't around me or she had to go run errands or whatever. I, I felt the presence of God. I felt the presence of Jesus one and the same. People always get on me and say, you didn't say Jesus. It's the Holy Trinity. It's all I'm saying the same thing. I, I I know who I'm thinking about. But um, but you're not alone. The the biggest, scariest, the scariest thing when I think of other people that might be going through what I'm going through, or anything in general, whether it's less severe or more severe, whatever it might be, when people start feeling like they're alone, that's a that's a dangerous dangerous thought that can lead them to do something that there's no coming back from. And I don't want that to happen to anybody.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, that's I, a bit of
1: a, I'll have more as I get better, but that yeah. would be the only thing because when I felt alone, even for a half a second, you don't think you can take it. And you don't think there's any hope and you don't think there's anybody that can pull you out of the abyss. And then you're at a point that's very, very scary and dangerous. And you have me, you can always email me, have you, they can email you. you just need somebody to tell you you're not alone somebody to tell you that it's going to be okay or you're you just keep fighting don't give up don't give up it's not hopeless stevie richardsfitness at gmail.com instagram i that's the only way i check my messages usually is either email or instagram youtube comment whatever it might be although i'd rather communicate privately i don't like to comment and answer those kinds of things email me i've gotten thousands and thousands of messages uh it's incredible of people that have been through so much and i am definitely obligated to to answer them god has given me a gift to to hopefully pass on other people
0: well you know bless you for for recognizing that because i think a lot of people in your position wouldn't and you know you have got this you have got this personality you've got this platform and you know that's your purpose, isn't it, to pay it forward and help other people through difficult times?
1: I gotta do something. I can't just. I, I've laid down and sat down long enough. <laughs> I yeah, can't keep absolutely.
0: moving. Uh, where can people go to Stevie to learn more about your business?
1: Sure, they can go to stevierichardsfitness.com. dot uh, We extended the uh, the program discount. The the, the programs, the twelve week, sixteen week. As a matter of fact, all the digital products on stevierichardsfitness.com dot com are under ten dollars. So where it's 12-week program, 16-week program, the follow along workout videos, all of them are $9.99 with lifetime access. So if you lose your link five years from now, I'll resend you the link. I really believe in trying to make fitness affordable, accessible for everybody. And I love to be a, if I'm going to do any kind of philanthropy or any kind of, kind of category of that. That is my contribution right now. And I'm only going to try to con- contribute more to help people live happier and healthier lives. Have the YouTube channel too, where I do health and fitness. That's where the road to recovery playlist is. If you want to follow everything from the what happened video to all the other hospital and then the recovery videos. Um, and also I'm going to be bringing it to different locations like the beach and other outdoor stuff. Cause people seem to feel more relaxed when you have a setting like the garage gym's not very relaxing for anybody yeah. so i just love that i love to create stuff and share positive productive elements in my journey and hopefully people get that uh when they watch my videos
0: got one more question and this is a question i'm most excited to ask you forget about ecw forget about your rate of recovery cats your cats campaign i was researching you and i suddenly discovered this this promotional campaign of you and cats. How did that come about? You're a cat man, aren't you?
1: I'm a cat man. I I love cats. And uh, just because, I mean, animals in general, and, and obviously these are based on the exact opposite of the way you and I feel about animals or my wife or any animal lover. And that's the people that aren't. The way these animals are treated, the way the cats are left at humane societies, or just even left in a dumpster or a box or, I mean, those things. That and those videos will make me cry in a millisecond uh, along with the other types that just toggling your heartstrings but they are just I, I can't say I've always loved cats. I always we always had cats and dogs growing up for some reason cats because I think when you earn a cat's loyalty and love and affection and when they follow you around, they they claimed you and that's yeah. the ultimate yeah. to me that's the ultimate accomplishment out of all the wrestling, out of those belts or anything. When I, when I can get a cat, pick them up, and they don't want to be put down, That's there's no greater feeling in the world.
0: That's peak. Yeah, because dog, dogs will give their affection to anyone, but it's taken me 15 years to win over my cat, 15 years of hard graft to finally feel that she accepts me.
1: You know how you do it. How's that? When you, you foster them or you adopt them when they're babies, you bottle feed them. Really? You bottle feed them, and you, you feed them treats, on the the right you you make the connection the human connection to them associated with food with nourishment all that stuff it's a cheat but don't it not care after a while then they won't even know but i gotta be i gotta be near that guy for some reason i gotta be near him that's it
0: that's that's the ultimate life hack
1: yeah or are you just always you talking to them too is they understand cats animals in general even even uh, if you look at little lizards, they get out of the way when you're about to step on them. They all have feelings. They all don't want to be hurt. They all, to some degree, want to be treated well. And that's the way I look at it.
0: And I think there's I think there's nothing greater in life than having a having a pet and having that love because it's re- it's real love. It's they they don't care about where you are in the world, what your status is, how many likes you've got, how much mm-hmm. you earn. It's just a it's just a perfect two way relationship, isn't it?
1: And, but also, there's a health, wellness, and fitness aspect aspect to having animals. Lower your blood blood pressure, lower your stress level, lower your heart rate. They are known in cats. I, I'm, you know, to cats, but they're they're. It's proven that they will lengthen your life, the longevity. You're talking about, right? Yeah, having yeah. cats, it's great because and also what it what it teaches you is to think about something or someone before yourself.
0: Absolutely. And if we all did that, the world would be a much better place.
1: I don't think a whole lot of people do that from what I see in the media.
0: (laughs) Are you going to keep chronicling your road to recovery on on YouTube and all your socials?
1: Absolutely. Yes. I mean, I, I try to do milestones or do things, but like I said, the product reviews or what I'm doing, it's all baked within the road to recovery. So when you see that ISO max versus ISO chain isometric video, I'm talking about with my spine, the way it is, how I can do it, what I prefer, how isometrics help it. So there's a story involved mainly with these reviews now. So it may not be dedicated or it might be, I'm finally able to do a pull-up without assistance. Those kinds of milestones will be based on the road to recovery.
0: It's never, As you said at the start, it's never going to leave you, is it? It's always going to be part of your story now?
1: Yes, just like my faith. And my faith is absolutely when i say god bless you at the end of every video which i've been doing for years youtube punishes me for it and you know what i do embrace the punishment i'm not going to follow youtube can do whatever you want you're part of the world and you're part of something way more nefarious than i want to be a part of do you i'll do me
0: yeah absolutely well god bless you for being on this show stevie and for giving up so much time and you know i'm just so pleased to see you so fit and healthy and to be able to have this conversation today. We've been talking for months about the idea of, of lining this up and, you know, I just wish you nothing, nothing, but the best man. And just that this road to recovery just goes step by step, by step in the right direction every day.
1: Well, thank you. God bless you for your patience and waiting months for me to, for me to come on and uh, hopefully you can do it again. And hopefully, like I said before, I'll talk to Donovan and it would be an amazing interview to hear his story. And it's, it coincides with how our friendship has really grown over 20 plus years. It's a, it's an amazing story. And hopefully that can inspire people who are at the, much more of a low when it comes to alcoholism and just being part of the world. Donovan is an amazing story. He overcame much more than I could ever, ever dream of.
0: Amazing. We will make that happen. That sounds amazing.
1: Oh man. And yeah. thank you to everybody out there for watching, listening and, make sure you subscribe because there are podcasts like this shows like this need to really have more people engaging with them. So hopefully Ben, they'll, they'll listen to my threat to tell them to listen and watch.
0: This okay. is what I need. Stevie Richards is my hype man. That's what I need. I,
1: I threatened them. I didn't really hype, like, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> well, look, they, that that kind of wraps it up. And he's done the job for me, but I just want to say thank you to everyone for being part of the good journeys for second mountain podcast today. Um, you can find all of our past inspiring conversations over on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, Amazon. And of course, if you go over to our YouTube channel then you get to see the lovely smiling faces of my guests uh, like Stevie here today, all you have to do is search for hashtag goodjourneyspod. And the most important thing is please use that hashtag to communicate with my guests and to communicate with me and let us know what you think of the conversations. Um, so that's it for today. He has been my guest, Stevie Richards. I've been Benville, this has been the Good Journeys pod, so until next time, let's keep climbing together, and I'll see you all again very soon.